0: Brave but trembling emerged the woman. None but you would defy the Romans. You, Veronica, restored
1: Jesus' sight. Know where you stand, no more. Know where you stand and stand there. Know where you stand, no more. Know where you stand and stand.
2: Welcome to Know Where We Stand podcast, our Lenten series focusing on justice, identity, faith, and the lay Catholic consciousness. My name is Teresa.
0: And my name is Jimmy. And on this episode, we'll be exploring the theme of sister, uh, specifically reflecting on the station of the cross where Veronica wipes the face of Jesus and restores his sight. Um, So on this uh, episode, we have Viviana Garcia, a Dominican volunteer who also works at the Dominican Conference NGO at the United Nations. Um, We'll have on Teresa's friends for our phone of friends segment, uh, Christina. Um, And as we always do, we'll close it out with an Ignatian examine led by Teresa. We've got a really, really great show today. Some awesome guests and excited to have you with us. So let's hit it.
2: Please listen carefully.
0: And welcome to episode four of our podcast. Uh, we're a couple of weeks into Lent now. And once again, we had the uh, liturgy of the word yesterday. So how about those readings, Teresa? Woo!
2: We are halfway through. Halfway We're halfway through. through. Yeah. Wow. We've made it thus far. Amazing. Reason to celebrate. Yeah. Laetare Sunday. Getting
0: over the the hump. Glass half full. Glass
2: half full. Waiting for my glass to be half full. <laughs> <laughs> Pour me a drink. <laughs>
0: that was awful.
2: Um, uh, I love I love this gospel. Uh-huh. I do because it's talking about. Um, who Jesus is and the love that God has. God is so loved the world that he sent his only son. Um, very masculine language in that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. But God so loved that God gave of God's self um, to be a light. And really, I feel like this. Um, this reading is like the crux of of lent and our journey together thus far. Um, you know, it says that the light came into this world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things, hates the light and does not come towards light so that his works might not be exposed, but whoever lives in the truth comes to the light so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. Um, and I feel like for me in this, in, in every, everyone that we've spoken to so far and just hearing all that they're doing to bring their work into the light and really to expose the evil that's like pervasive in our world. And that has kind of taken hold in in some people who are like, seem to be hell bent on oppression, um, and tearing people down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, Uh, just one part of the gospel that stood out and that you just read is uh, coming into the light and also almost like a turning over and and showing of self Mm -hmm. and that part of coming into the light is not, is, is I think transparency and showing the true self. Mm -hmm. And I just a point of reflection for me. And sometimes if I want to cover up my insecurities or, if I make a mistake and maybe not want to admit it readily to a coworker or things like that. Um the reminder that it's really in the light and the true showing of ourself that we we find God, you know.
2: Yeah, definitely. Or even just um with that like recognizing when your institution is part of a problem. Um we both did volunteer core programs, right? Yes. And those primarily look a certain way. Am I correct?
0: <laughs> yes, you are correct. <laughs>
2: um, But, you know, primarily white and as a Filipino-American, you know, I was definitely in the minority. Um, but we have these volunteer corps that are primarily white, privileged college students, middle class, upper middle class. Not to say that that's everyone because that wasn't me, but... Um, that's predominantly what the institution is. And they're sending out freshly graduated students and to do great work in the world and to go to the margins and to say that they're in solidarity. But then if they don't do the work as an institution or even the volunteers themselves, I know I struggled with this in my community, um, in my year, and this was like several years ago now. Um, to recognize that that maybe what we're doing is part of the problem. Like how sustainable is um, volunteer work or how sustainable are mission trips?
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And especially, um, you know, myself during my volunteer year, I was living in the Bronx in a community that was, you know, overwhelmingly folks of color. And, uh, you know, at times as a white white guy i don't I don't think I understood my place, mm-hmm. and um I think it's it's critically important to be intentional and i think have anti racist training mm-hmm. and um especially you know going into a space that was not my community and was I working on a stipend sure um but I had safety nets mm-hmm. you know um, any concrete thing that you think could be improved with those programs?
2: Yeah, I think you mentioned it, like anti-racism trainings. Um, and in light of kind of the generations of JVs after me who have been really courageous, um, and the JVs of color who, who were in the years after me really coming out and saying that they experienced racism in their year of service. Um, amongst their community members, amongst their, um, support people, like, you know, the structures that were in place, um, because they were kind of like blind to seeing it. Um, because it's like this like false dichotomy of like doing, like being super woke and like taking a year off to do service and, and being with the people. Um, but like not undergoing the exercise themselves to recognize like what their place was in that.
0: There's obviously this other level of oppression when um, white folks are are not validating that the pains and oppression of historical and present racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess one thing I've been reflecting on too is like, and in terms of volunteer programs, what it, we live in a white supremacist society, right? So we need an active anti-racist. Education, mm-hmm. and I feel like in my experience sometimes it's like if if you're not if we're not learning especially as white folks, then we're participating in that mm-hmm. so like just thinking of my town in Connecticut, you know I grew up in a small suburban town and uh, all primarily upper middle class white people, and then we had the one kind of city, Bridgeport, which was mostly low income people of color and. When we weren't educated on the history of redlining and other forms mm-hmm. of segregation, when our you know sports teams, for example, would play New Canaan or Darien, these rich white towns, and then we play Bridgeport, like kids are going to draw their own conclusions if we're not giving them um, the full picture on what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I guess just reflecting on omitting an education on that is still perpetuating the violence
2: yeah definitely bringing it into the light
0: yeah gotta
2: shine a light on it no i think so often we forget where we come from um not only do we forget where we come from but we we forget where we're where we're headed or where where we're called towards yes um and i feel like the the readings particularly this week kind of call us back to that that um again, just like that we come from love. We come from God's love. We were created simply because God loved us into being. We're just reminded of God's mercy of like forever in the arc of like our, our salvation story. God is always kind of coming in and reminding us that we're loved in the ultimate act of like sending God's son, taking the form of, of a mere human. Um, To remind us that we come from love and we're called to love.
0: Absolutely. That was beautiful.
2: And that we don't have to be perfect. Like, we're learning along the way. Absolutely. You know, I think so often we let the fear of, like, not... Or, (laughs) speaking for myself, like, not having the right words to say, um, stop me from saying anything at all. Yes. Or, like, stop me from learning. And it's okay. Absolutely. We're just journeying together.
0: Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And now our next segment is our interview with Viviana. It was a really great conversation and excited for you all to listen in. Stand podcast. Um, For our interview today, super excited for our sister episode to have Viviana Garcia with us, who is a Dominican volunteer and works at the Dominican Leadership Conference at the United Nations. Viviana, welcome and thanks so much for being with us.
3: Uh, It's good to be here. Thank you everybody for having me.
0: Absolutely. So we want to cover a few different things in our segment today. Um, But to start, I wanted to ask a little bit about uh, how you first got involved or interested in in social justice work.
3: Sure. Um, I was really involved uh, as an undergrad in university ministry. So I did a lot of work related to interfaith relations on campus and outside, uh, trying to raise awareness of injustices through that outlet. I was also involved in advocacy work related to immigration so I would attend protests I would uh, visit detention centers I'd um, take some citizen workshop classes so I can like raise awareness and inform others of their rights those who are undocumented so I, I think my passion for social justice started when I attended college and when I was exposed to people from different backgrounds experiencing different things, um just a small little suburb suburb girl, so I didn't <laughs> didn't really know all that much, but um yeah, it really stuck struck a chord with me and university ministry at my school was the only kind of organization or entity at my school that was really doing something. Um, in terms of social justice uh, that I couldn't find in any other kind of program at school.
0: Awesome. And so now you're doing a a year of service. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the work you're doing at the UN?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So I, as you mentioned earlier, I am working for the NGO Dominican Leadership Conference at the UN. So I serve on the NGO Committee on Migration, the NGO Committee on Mining, the Working Group on Girls, uh, Commission on the Status of Women, New York Group, and I believe uh, the N- um, the NGO Committee for Social Development. So I'm a part of those groups, and then within those groups, I serve on subcommittee groups. So let's take like mining. So I'm a part of the mining, the NGO group on mining. Um, there's different subcommittee groups. There's one on fracking. There's one on water sustainability. There's one on corporate social responsibility and so on. So I'll serve on a subcommittee group and then I'll do research advocating on different types of like, policy initiatives.
0: Thanks so much for, for sharing that. It sounds like a, a lot of different issues and a lot of different work. Yeah. Has there been anything in particular that's stood out to you or you're really finding a, a passion for um, with, within your work? Any issue in particular?
3: So I, I studied uh, political science, international affairs, in college. So going into it, um, it was interesting to try to apply academic knowledge and turn it into experience. So when you're thrown into this kind of situation, um, you, you kind of really don't know what to expect, even though you think you, you've you know everything, and you read all the books about it, uh, but because it's an because you're at the NGO level, you see international policy um, work from different kinds of angles, especially religious NGO groups
0: uh, what is the importance of having people of faith, especially women religious, as a presence at the u n
3: yeah, so uh, it's crucial that Religious groups have a place at the table, so like the uh, Dominican Leadership Conference, we have sisters and brothers and priests on the ground all over the world. The same could be said about any other religious group, so they know their people and and they they know i mean they're on the ground, and they can use that information and we can try to address a certain policy from that point of view from that unique point of view because they're on the ground, and they're with marginalized groups, so that's a really unique insight and perspective to have and it's important to bring that reality to the to the u n where sometimes these voices aren't
2: heard. Um, is there an area that you're working on now that you are particularly like fascinated by or maybe particularly interested in, or it's like been surprising? <coughs> I feel like those are three different questions
3: <laughs> no um yeah i i would say the ngo committee on migration is incredible um the people who operate it are incredible and one of uh, i guess another reason why i enjoy being in that group is because just the the dialogues we have and the events we we've held and the speakers that come in mm. this morning um Louise Arbour came to speak to the group, and she was talking about the uh, the Secretary General's report on moving forward with like migration. So like, what are we going to do? So it's it's basically, you know, migration has been a, been around since like the beginning of time, right? And the way she approaches it too is like we should see it as an opportunity and not as a problem, right? So people are coming in and we need to change the rhetoric around uh, migrants and refugees. Um, people use it, some, certain politicians use the word illegal, and it creates this narrative in, in people's minds that, um, that they're evil, that they're dangerous, um, and, she's tr- and she's changing the rhetoric in the document for countries to use so that it's irregular migration, right? Mm. And it's irregular because there's no safe, clear pathways for people to enter a country. So it's all about changing the rhetoric to change the narrative, mm. um, to hold countries accountable for protecting human rights. Yeah. Um, everybody deserves dignity and respect. Uh, so being on this group has really opened my eyes to the fact that there's people out there that really care about these issues and aren't just, you know, just like, like your stereotypical policymaker or like a <laughs> lawyer, and you're just like, ah, like, ah, like like, the stats and the numbers, um, this group really cares about placing people before the process. Yeah. So never forgetting that, um, never just, like, focusing on the stats and the numbers and it's just been really eye-opening and it's something that I get excited about and something I talk about as much as I can to the girls at home who I live with, other volunteers at home.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's, like, the core principle of Catholic social teaching, right? That Mm -hmm. each person has human dignity.
0: Uh, So Viviana, from your experience working at the UN, have you been able to kind of witness how international aid and development have either supported or undercut efforts for gender equity?
3: I just feel like more women need to have a space at the table um, and they should be stockholders in their own future. The Committee on the Status of Women in New York, um, I mean, the this year's theme for CSW is rural women. So how do we bring them into the conversation? How do we not use these women as just tokens? Because that tends to happen a lot. And how do we support these women? And I would also, I guess I would also add from what working on the the working group on girls how the importance of bringing girls into these conversations too um because what affects them now in turn shapes them into who they will become as women and then you know you have a lot of these overlapping issues that could have been addressed at a like early age
2: yeah i think that's really important and uh you know, what stories do we tell and who gets to tell them? And it sounds like the work that you're doing and the the conference is doing is really trying to bring voices to the table so they can tell their own stories. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that um, you kind of got involved in this through university ministry. Yeah. And that was like the only space on campus that you felt was um, engaging in social justice. Um, So I was wondering how your faith informs the work that you do. Um from choosing to do a year of service at a and live with nuns. Yeah. Um to kind of like your now your your daily grind of working at the UN and then Yeah Um Um, I would say
3: I mean I, I grew up in a traditionally like Mexican Catholic household. So I'm a very spiritual person. Um I don't know how to pray the rosary, but <laughs> I am very spiritual. Um and I I honestly believe that, I mean I'm living in this moment in time. I'm at the position I am now. I'm with the people I am now for a reason I may not understand now, but I know will come to light at some point in my life. And I'm blessed to be living with the people I'm living with. Um, it could be a challenge at time, but I I know there's a saying. I'm trying to i I want to translate it from Spanish. Um, so the 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 saying goes: God. Like God squeezes, but he doesn't choke, mm, yeah. you know. Or, yeah. So, it's <laughs> a beautiful like, image. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I've been through. I've been through harder periods in my life. Um, so I, f- I always check myself when I feel like I'm having a really bad day. Mm. That you know I, I've been through this before. Everything, everything in this world is exactly the same. So, I could get through it. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. All right. And we ask all our guests this thank you for that sharing. But our final question is uh, In these times in 2018, what brings you hope?
3: I really, uh, my family, my friends, and good film.
0: Nice. Yeah. But Viviana, thank you so much for your time and your sharing. We're grateful to have you with us um, and for your wisdom. And I uh, wish you best of luck with the rest of your year.
3: Thank you so much, uh, Jimmy, Sean, Teresa. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a
1: pleasure. Te queremos, te sentimos, la libertades, nuestro destino, y te queremos. Te sentimos. La libertad es nuestro destino. Te queremos. Te sentimos. La libertad es nuestro destino. Y te queremos. Te sentimos. La libertad es. Nuestro destino, y te queremos, te sentimos, la libertad es nuestro destino, la libertad es nuestro destino, la libertad es nuestro destino. Es nuestro destino.
2: Hi, Tina TV. Did
4: you hear that? No,
2: it's you didn't
4: hear that, okay, well, someone told me this meeting is now being
2: recorded. I think that someone's like the software. I hope we're not joined by anyone else, but hey, thanks for joining no problem. me Chrome. Um, so we're gonna record our conversation as this mysterious voice has told you um. So we have a segment on our podcast called Roots of Our Faith, where we call people Mm -hmm. just to say thank you for being so influential in our lives, in my life. So I want to call and thank you, Tina, for one, being my bunkmate in CASA. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: It was so much fun sleeping in bunk beds.
4: That's where it all started
2: that is where it all started
4: Um, it really really did it it started in a bunk bed (laughs)
2: oh man our love affair started in santanino
4: yeah it did in the philippines
2: in the philippines but i love it because we Mm -hmm. would just like be well this is why i wanted to thank you in particular um why (laughs) getting there sorry (laughs) I wanted to thank you in particular because, um, I feel like you really helped me wrestle with a lot of questions, um, like about faith, but also about service and justice, um, and like philosophy. And I think you asked, and you continue to ask really like poignant questions in such a loving way. Um, That causes like that challenges me. That like something that's like seared in my memory is just like all the conversations we used to have and like all the late nights on our patio. Um but something I remember is walking out of Vene's class, our our gender and politics class, um, after she had really kind of questioned us um or challenged us. She said that what we're doing in casa in our praxis site has to be mutually empowering. Like we couldn't just mm-hmm. leave from our communities and not give to them. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember we saw like
4: in talking about the final, right? Like, like our final was kind of like the piece that we were to give back. Right.
2: Oh, I don't remember.
4: Do you remember that? We don't. <laughs> oh, that's what I remember. Cause it was about our practice site.
2: Yeah.
4: Maybe I'm still, fi- I'm filling in this memory. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you, tell you me.
4: remembered the first part. You remember the first part because I didn't remember her, like, until now, like saying, um, like it has to be mutual. Um, but I think that's where, like, our final came in, like that art piece, whether it was like written, um, spoken, um, like acted or like performed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she like challenged us or encouraged us to like after we um like recited it or performed our piece or showed our like artwork to um to like give it to the person like the woman yeah, yeah. in in our practice site
2: I remember that I do remember that
4: now yeah
2: yeah yeah but I remember wow that walking out of that class, and, like, we, I think a number of us were feeling defeated, and I remember sitting on those, like, stone benches that are, like, all throughout Ateneo.
4: hmm yeah.
2: And, like, like these, like, gorgeous trees, um, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, how dare she say that to us? Like, does she not understand uh-huh. what masa is? Like, of course, it's mutually empowering. Like we're here to learn. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just remember being so angry that I was like being challenged and like, in the like most loving and like, like in the most loving way, you were just like, well, Reese, like think about what she's saying. And it was like really a challenge to check my privilege like and I think
4: yeah
2: um and you know like coming into CASA like it's so different from any study abroad program um but that didn't mean that I was like excused from like checking my privilege like it's designed so that you do that but then I feel like it was the first time like halfway through the semester that I was like really called out on it um Mm. and that the experience had to be empowering for the communities that we are in. Um, otherwise we were just perpetuating this like cycle of oppression because we were just taking-
4: going and leaving. Yeah. Taking, yeah. Going, taking, and leaving.
2: Yeah. You gave me the space to like wrestle with that and like listen in like the like most tender way.
4: But yeah, I, but I never realized like that, it was like a lot, la- there was like a lasting impact that I was making, you know, because I was young and you were like graduating college basically. And I had just started. So I just thought that I was only gaining insight and like all the love from you, like an older sister, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to thank you and then we mm-hmm. gonna stop the recording. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay.
4: All right. <laughs> Thanks to no problem. I love you so much. I love you too. This is great. That's great. We should have our own podcast. I know, right? Where no. we just thank each other. No one like, okay, and the next one, I'll thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Right. I'm not hanging up for a bit. Okay. I know she said that I don't need her.
4: Because every
2: time I call, she's sitting sweeter. Oh, and I know she said to keep near her. But I'm feeling
0: colder, and I must leave her. I'm sat down here with my head hung down, and I just seem to
2: find bit of peace, bit of love, bit of something left behind. Sat down here, best intention. Nothing said, nothing lied.
0: Bitter love. Welcome to what I did not learn in Sunday school the segment where we explore the sometimes oppressive, sometimes inspiring, oftentimes complex roots of our faith. And this week, what I didn't learn in Sunday school or in my Catholic school is that it was highly discouraged and at times forbidden to hire a gay or lesbian teacher to instruct me. What was taught was a basic party line of the Vatican. Same-sex attraction is real and we should respect those with same-sex attraction. However, they are not allowed to express their attraction in any way. Partnership or any forms of same-sex love or intimacy was forbidden. However, there was a hidden presence and tradition in the church that was overlooked in my education. Despite being ostracized, gay and lesbians have made and continue to make large contributions to our church. Franciscan iconographer Robert Lentz points out queer saints in our Catholic tradition. Saints Brigid and Darludag of Kildare, he says, were soul friends and shared a bed. And Saints Sergius and Bacchus of Syria were openly gay men. These saints had a deep connection and relationship with their same-sex partners and were on the forefront of justice. In modern times, too, we have queer prophets, such as Father Michael Judge, who died giving last rites during 9-11, Mary Daly, who taught radical lesbian feminism at the male-dominated Boston College, and Father Bill McNichols, who ministered to AIDS patients and was kicked out of the Jesuit order for coming out and standing up to those scapegoating clerical sex abuse onto the gay community. Further, ethical and theological frameworks have been established that differ from the Catechism. Margaret Farley, Sister of Mercy and professor at Yale Divinity School, offers a framework on Christian sexual ethics in her book, Just Love. Farley lists seven norms to be met in order for sexual acts to be just. No unjust harm, free consent, mutuality, equality, commitment, fruitfulness, and social justice. Farley reiterates that just sexual acts can be beautifully met in both same and opposite sex relationships. Jamie Manson, writer and book editor at the National Catholic Reporter, says that gay and lesbian couples show us the multitude of ways fruit is brought into this world through love. Generosity, commitment, sacrifice, mutual aid— All of these are exemplified in same-sex love and prove that our love, in whatever form, brings vital gifts to our communities and to our worlds. Those Catholic schools still refusing to hire queer staff are wrongly discriminating against LGBTQ Catholics and thereby furthering the oppression of their LGBTQ students. The limited perspective of a heterocentric faculty ill prepares its students to engage compassionately in the world around them, as well as understand the depth of their own sexuality. And that my friends, is what I did not learn in Sunday school.
2: I begin by inviting the Spirit to come upon me and relish in the powerful embrace of our loving Creator. I give thanks to God for all of my sisters. I call them to mind, one by one. Bringing to my mind's eye their facial features their hair, the way they smile, the look on their face when they're angry. Maybe I imagine the way that they stand or the sound of their voice. I call each to mind, and for each sister, I say thank you. I ask the Creator for the grace to see all of the sisters throughout the world through their eyes. I ask for the grace to rejoice with her rejoicing and to commiserate with her misery. Then I ask myself, as of late, what have I done to stand with her? Then I ask myself, what have I done to silence her? I begin to have a conversation with our Creator. And I bring with me the voices of the sisters. Especially the sisters who have made the table but have not been asked to sit. Then I confess how sorry I am for the hurts I may have caused through my actions and my thoughts I confess all of the times I have been complicit in the silencing of my sisters I confess all of the times I did not stand with her. Then I sincerely ask for forgiveness. And I ask for the strength to stand by her side to raise her voice. giving for all of my sisters and for this time of reflection. This has been Know Where We Stand podcast. Our director of research is Karen Gargamelli-McCrate.
0: And our producer is Sean Gargamelli-McCrate. Our logo was provided by CZ Design
2: and moral support provided by Ben Peterson and Dominic the Dog. My name is Teresa Carino
0: and my name is Jimmy Hannigan.
2: Until next time,
0: know where where you stand stand and and stand stand there. there.